You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the MLB Extras Braves podcast. I'm Tim McMaster, along with our Braves reporter, Mark Bowman. And Mark, some stuff to get to. I want to get your thoughts on what's going on with the New York Mets in, within the division and what they've done at the general manager position. Uh, already an award in for Ronald Acuna Jr. We'll get to that. But I want to start with um, kind of what's in the news early this week, and that is uh, free agents are going to become free agents here in the next day or two. And um, as far as the Braves go, not a lot of decisions to be made, but Nick Markakis is interesting because the team could give him a qualifying offer. That's $17.9 million. Obviously, there would be a risk that he might take that. Um, but if, if he ch- turns it down, then the Braves get a draft pick. So when you look at this situation, what's, what's your gut instinct on what they're going to do with Markakis? Well, I, I I don't expect them to offer a, make the qualifying offer, um, just because you know I, I that's about seven million dollars more than they're probably going to comfortable uh, paying him next year, and the the benefit of him let's say he would sign elsewhere, um, you know unless he's spending making more than fifty million dollars uh, elsewhere, you know, you're you're basically you're ending up with a pick after the second round. They, they, the risk does not, um, you know, it's just, there's just too much risk there. So at, at, as they move forward regarding Markakis, you know, I, I think that he's a guy that if he's still around in, you know, January and, and they're still looking for an outfielder, possibly they, they look to bring him back. I mean, he he did a lot. You, you can't – the numbers won't, cannot uh, – adequately validate exactly what he meant to this club during this important stretch. You know, he was there throughout the rebuild, uh, played a significant role in this team's rise to a division champion this year. And, you know, the just the professionalism and, and the way he went about his business, that that will have an impact on this club for many years to come with, you know, the, the young guys who who saw what it took to, to be successful on an everyday basis, not only when you're in your 30s, but, you know, as you distance yourself from what was a pretty significant neck surgery. I think it's, uh, you know, it would be a good feel-good story to bring Marquecas back. I think there would be a lot of happy people in that clubhouse at the same time. I think, you know, as as he approaches his 35th birthday, it probably makes sense for the team to, to you know, look elsewhere, try to add some power out there, um, and just take that next step forward. Yeah, he certainly will leave a mark, though, with this team and what he's been able to do because the young guys aren't enough. You need that leadership as well. Speaking of the young guys, Ronald Acuna Jr., who is going to be playing in Japan in the Japanese series here coming up against the team of Japan All-Stars, has been unanimously voted the National League Rookie of the Year according to Baseball Digest. Obviously not the big one yet. That's coming up in a couple of weeks, Mark. Um, but, But no surprise here. You would think across the board... Acuna is going to be adding quite a bit to his trophy case. Well, no doubt, no doubt. I, you know, it's it's amazing if we go back to, you know, the first week of August, and he had just, you know, it's he got hot right after the All Star break. That's where he made some of the adjustments there to his his approach, his swing, um, his hands. Um, you know, he started to see it. But even that series when they were in DC and 
Um, they're, you know, he and Soto are going back and forth and having fun and, you know, showing their tremendous talents. You're still thinking at that point in time, come on, it's a long shot. How could he, you know, overcome everything that, that Soto did? But, you know, within a week or two after that, you're saying, as a legitimate chance this guy is going to win rookie of the year. And now I think the only surprise would be that if he wouldn't win it. Um, I think that, you know, this was a, very beneficial year for him. I mean, not only did he come up here, learn what he had to do, you know, the adjustments he had to make. He he was able to make those adjustments in a successful fashion. Uh, he got a taste of what a postseason run was like. He got a taste of the postseason. Um, he played a little, you know, he showed what he could do uh, in, in left field. We, we all know he's probably a, a better center fielder uh, within – Ender Enciarte there. We'll, we'll see, um, you know, how much, you know, at what point in time maybe Acuna goes there. Uh, but just to be around a team like this, uh, to have the impact he did, to increase his confidence, it, it's just uh, I think this is going to be a year that, that was that he'll never forget. And at the same time, Braves fans, uh, if everything goes according to plan and they do have a, a long stretch of success, they'll never forget that first summer they – they spent watching Ronald Acuna play. Yeah, and he'll be right in the middle of all of that success. I mentioned that he's going to be playing in the Japan series. JT Real Muto will also be in that series uh, doing the catching for the Major League Baseball team. I think Acuna maybe does some some talking to Real Muto over <laughs> there in Japan, Mark. <laughs> I think I think everybody's going to have a representative. Every, every representative over there is going to have their time talking to Real Muto about, I hope I'm your teammate next year. I think, yeah, I was – I wrote a story earlier today. It'll go up on the site uh, a little later. But, uh, I mean, look, I, I think all each of the other four National League East teams will be calling about Rio Muto. Um, and this is a, a premium position. A qual, you know, this is high quality at a premium position. Um, you know, the Braves made a run at him last winter, again, before the All-Star break. The one thing the Braves have that everyone else doesn't have is that depth within their pipeline. You know, there some teams may say they have they better that better piece here or there, but at the same time, the Braves can can provide you know multiple uh, top prospects. They have eight prospects within their um, within the MLB pipeline uh, top 100 prospects. Six of those are pitchers. You know, you go back and look at what the Marlins got. You know when they when they traded for when they traded Stanton, Yelich, and Azuna last year, and you, and you think, well, that that would have provided some some significant returns. I get it. Stanton was basically just a financial deal, but just even with the other two, you'd think they'd have, you know, a pretty good pipeline. Well, they they don't currently have anyone listed within the top 100, um, our top 100, and I know that Sierra and um, Brinson graduated from the prospect list, but. This is their last piece to 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 last significant trade chip. I, I think that they need to to try to you know obviously you're looking for qualities a number one, but in abundance, I think the Braves are the team that they can give them you know multiple quality pieces uh, to justify moving Ramuto. Yeah, it'll certainly be interesting. And things get a little more interesting this week when Real Muto's agent Jeff Barry of CAA. Uh, 
inform the club that he's not going to sign an extension. Now, he's still got a couple of years left, so that doesn't mean that the Marlins are immediately going to look to shop him. But you would think that it does make it more likely than not that that they're going to. We just actually talking to Joe Fasaro this week, our Marlins reporter, and he still thinks the Marlins are going to make a pitch to sign him. But it doesn't sound like the agent is, is hearing that at this point, Mark. Yeah, I mean, I just – well, what are you going to pitch him on? I mean, they're they're at least four years away from winning, probably. Um, it's just you know, do you, he could be a free agent two years from now. Why not? Why not? I I really don't know why they would go that route. And at the same time, I certainly don't know why the player would commit to to anything beyond um, the 2020 season because you know I think it. I don't see how they're winning much, you know, sooner than 2021-2022. Uh, Fall Stars games coming up this week for fans that uh, haven't had enough baseball, a little more chance, the Arizona Fall League All-Star game, and some Braves prospects will be down there. Kyle Muller, the left-handed pitcher, he's the number 12 prospect. Christian Pache, the outfielder, number 6. And those numbers mean different things for different teams, Mark. But when you look at the Braves, their number 12 and number 6 prospect – are really really good players. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. It, it's good to see where Moeller has come. Uh, you know, he he was taken. the third pitcher taken that year behind Ian Anderson and Joey Wentz. Um, I'm not going to say he was uh, the forgotten guy. I mean, he was. I believe he's the Gatorade uh, Player of the Year at that point in time. Everyone knew what he could do with the bat and with his arm. Um, yeah, he had to spend some time in extended spring training last year. Uh, the progress that he made was seen, you know, as this summer progressed. And now to, to see some of those, you know, that strikeout ratio he's produced out there in Arizona, that's important. You know, there, there's – you really don't know exactly which numbers to, to make a big deal about in Arizona. You know, maybe you shouldn't make a, a big deal about any of them. But when a guy like that, you know, at his age uh, is going out there and proving that he can, you know, get swings and misses – uh, produce a, produce strikeouts against that competition. It, it, it's nice to see. Um, he's certainly uh, right there with Pache. Those, those are definitely the top two guys that the Braves have out there. Um, you know, where Pache's path goes, you know, beyond this season, I don't know. But it, uh, at the same time, you, you think about the strides he made. Entering the year, he'd never hit a home run at the professional level. He showed some, uh, you know, a little bit of pop there. Uh He's just grown so much, you know, physically within the last year, year and a half. Um, but the Braves are sure quickly finding out what kind of player he is. It, it, it would be exciting at some point. But I'm not going to say 2019, although it could happen maybe late in the season. But at some point in 2020, if they pair Pache and Acuna uh, with the assumption that Pache continues to, to make similar progress that he did this year, there's there's going to be a lot of buzz about how special that you know that young outfield could be for many years to come. One more topic for you, real quick. As I do the National League East, I've gotten um, each writer's thoughts on the Mets hiring of an agent to be their new general manager. Brody Van Wagenen got the job. It's certainly an outside of the box hire, Mark, and it's certainly a surprise coming from the Mets as well, a, a team that maybe you wouldn't expect this kind of move from. Um, what's the buzz in the Atlanta area about Brody Van Wagenen running the Mets? Well, I think you kind of hit it right there. That it, It's surprising that it was the Mets because, uh, you know, and I think that's why it was probably a good move. Um, 
I, I haven't heard anyone complaining about, you know, they've got an age at this. It's just maybe, maybe more just the surprise that, you know, the Mets were willing to, to go outside the box and, and do uh, create maybe some forward thinking, some advanced, um, more modern thinking within that, that, um, uh, that organization. So I think it, I think it was a great move. I think that, uh, you know, he's probably going to encounter some things that, um, he wasn't, you know, I'm not going to say prepared for, but you know, there, there's going to be some new aspects of this job that, that they hasn't encountered in the past. Um, but at the same time, look, it's, he's been around this game. He's a bright guy. Um, I think this was, this was certainly the right move for the Mets now. The question is, will they be willing to spend the money that that's necessary to to take that next step forward? You you, you think about we can say all we want about this Mets team, but going back to July first, nobody in the National League East had a better record. Maybe that's saying a lot more about what that division race turned out to be. But uh, we all know that the pieces are there. They go out and spend some money, make some changes to that lineup, make some improvements to that lineup. Um, you know. Who knows? It's uh, everyone in the National League East is going to be aiming to improve this year. Let's you know, minus you know the Marlins for a long term uh, perspective. Um, so you know, I'm not going to say that the division is going to be won this winter, but but uh, somebody's going to give themselves a, a significant advantage. Um, you know, whether that's the Nationals, the Phillies, the Mets, or the Braves, so that they're going to be four teams that to keep an eye on throughout the winter. Yeah, and those teams, some of them in on the big-time free agents and some of them just getting better from within as well. So it's certainly maybe the most fascinating division, I think, in baseball right now because of the the markets, the teams, and and where those teams are right now. It's going to be fun to watch. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the MLB Extras Braves podcast. For Mark Bowman, I'm Tim McMaster. Thanks for tuning in.